Cargo Cult is a production of Radio Nemo West. Cargo Cult is all about the movies, books, music, and moments that help shape the lifestyle of not only the trucking industry, but also the American obsession with being on the move. What if something just like jumps out in front of you and you have to stop? Don't. What was that? A Mazda. Hosts Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn engage in a wild, freeform discussion with folks from both the transportation and entertainment worlds. I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a show that's all about the journey. So far, we're doing fine. Hadn't got caught. And now your hosts, Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn. By the way, 1978's <laughs> Halloween, of course, in many ways changed the face of horror. Um, it comes on the on the heels of actually 1977's uh, Star Wars. Um, by the way, in 1979, Alien would show up. We're kind of rolling all these things together. Uh, Russell is uh, operating the uh, board for us today, kind of counting us in and counting us out. You were actually just saying uh, there was a 70 millimeter uh, version of Star Wars that was just recently shown. We At just, the new Academy Museum we, here in Los Angeles. And guys, Correct. this is Cargo Cults, by the way. We are still in Halloween country, but we're talking about Star Wars here for a second because we're all fans of Andor. We all agree. I think everybody in this room agrees that Rogue One may be one of the best Star Wars movies ever By made. far. Yeah. By far. We're all in agreement. Although, the joy of New Hope. And, and and we were just talking about how to watch it if we were introducing somebody to it. I'm still of the opinion that they got to see the first Star Wars first. You I know, gotcha. New Hope. You got to see it because it just gives you the world and it gives you the anchoring and the people you need to care about. And then you can go into the expanded universe. That's my opinion. Do you notice, though, that the joy of New Hope actually begins to kick after all the kind of real darkness in Rogue One? Rogue One is a dark movie. We all we can agree. Way it's shot. Kind of more real. More real. But right, but right when the, I guess, the, uh, the backup, the cavalry shows up to kind of help out our Rogue One guys on on the planet to kind of get the plans that first battle right, right. star wars kicks in yeah, yeah star yeah, yeah, wars yeah. kicks in now but we're getting it we got some x-wing the, fights the ad at the ad at <laughs> turns to blow our heroes to, into kingdom come and it suddenly blows up and of course here come the good guys you know and then star wars yeah, yeah, kicks yeah, yeah, in yeah. and it ends of course with that great uplifting it's hope you know <laughs> then we're off to the races and running and also the best cameo by darth vader of all time but best scene, best Darth Vader scene of all time. We're in a I mean, they're right? bringing people back from the dead in these movies now. So, I mean, literally, there's yeah. Carrie Fisher and people are bawling in the audience. <laughs> just like, oh, I know it's not really her, but I miss her. You, you saw it on a 70 millimeter screen. You saw uh, A New Hope, uh, 70 millimeter. How was it? First of all, uh, my first thought was, can you separate the hope from the nostalgia piece? See, that's, I agree with you. On the hope, but I think there's a healthy dose of nostalgia oh, mixed in there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And especially if you were raised on this stuff. Yeah. If, if you grew up with Star Wars, it is the kind of thing that is in, it, it, it's entrenched. You know, it's got to be, it's the same sort of thing that I, I don't know how to relate to people that haven't seen Star Wars when they're like, I've never seen one. And I'm like, okay. 
later. I mean, I know you're yeah. a valuable human Our being and you have contributions, but I don't really know how to how to relate to that. Our babysitter saw it the week it opened. And of course that night, because I mean, I'm, it's 1977, dude. I'm not that old. I mean, right, I, right, and, right, right. and they're over the house and they're t- everybody, like literally kids would see it and then be able to tell you the movie. Yeah. It, it's one of the, the first street, movies I ever saw. I telling you off, about the movie. Uh, uh, I sent off four action figures that had not been made yet. It was one of the things that you send off the little coupon in the back of something for the catalog because they weren't ready for December and you got them in March because they're literally shipping them out of China as fast as they can, you know, to put them out. I mean, I was one of the original. It's one of the first movies I ever saw in the theater. And I remember seeing it multiple times because it was such a thing. So seeing it at the Academy Museum. Amazing. I mean, mean, it's first of all, it's like seeing a different movie. Like no joke, they mm. they estimate that seeing a movie at that size is like seeing a twelve a ten to twelve k print, and it was a completely Unreal. restored print. Right. It did pause at one point, and we had to wait, but unbelievable. So if you have a chance to see it that large, highly recommend. Oh it. yeah, man. I mean, I just saw Jaws in IMAX, eighty foot IMAX. I saw Blade Runner in IMAX. The unbelievable. Uh, I saw Dune in IMAX at the at at Grauman yeah. Chinese and and. Uh, you Los need, Angeles, there are 2019. There of these movies that, that's what you need. You don't yeah. need to see Roger Rabbit, you know, <laughs> that particular size. But at the same time, hey, it's fun. But something like Jaws, Star Wars, Blade Runner, Dune, these great movies that are meant to be in expansive universes, perfect for those kind of I will sizes. say, though, there are a couple of movies, even in the, in the down and dirty and the nitty and the gritty, like French Connection, the car chase, the subway car sure, chase. Sure, like the sure, under sure. the subway. It's like, it. I, I, was, I was harrowed. They said harrowing? I, I was harrowed. You were harrowed. I was like green harrowed. Oh, uh, hell. I, Jimmy was, Maxman harrowed. I was harrowed. I mean, I, I, it was- it, He had it, a road to hoe. It was, it, was, it, was, it was traumatizing. We are, we are so off the, the beaten path here. We are so off topic, but I wanted to give Russell a chance to kind of comment on that because we were Because what talk- a great experience, man. What I mean, a fantastic- The Academy Museum has just been built. It's right there by LACMA. And uh, I mean, not only does it have museum experiences, but it's offering things like th- these re-releases of films that really have made us- who we are as a culture, and to be able to see it in a brand new top line, sound, visual, I mean, the movie going experience there. I haven't seen it yet, but I've read all about it and I, I just can't wait, man. I'm going to have to keep you my eye hear, out for that. You want to hear a great experience that I had very recently that actually I think can actually slide us into our next movie? Keep your personal stuff under the under your, under your wig there, Jimmy Mack. I'll keep it. Keep, keep it at least in the NC-17. Close to the vest. Okay. Here we go. I, you know, won't, we, you can't can only show this feature at night. Vertical. Um, it's very vertical in what we're doing. <laughs> so I, I got a chance to go over across the pond. I actually, went to, who goes to London to see a Saints game? This guy. That guy. Um, That's right. One of the things I did do while I was over there, and it's a funny story because when I told you about it, you actually guessed right. I went over, and one of the things I was really looking forward to and did, it was as much a part of my trip as the game was, is there's a, uh, a theatrical organization called Punch Drunk. Right. Yeah. Who, of course, most famously did the show Sleep, Sleep No, no More. More, which, of course, is set in the McKittrick Hotel and takes The Shining and Macbeth. I can say that we're not in a theater. And Vertigo combines all three into a five story. You walk. They move, but you explore the hotel. Yeah, at your you own decide pace. what storyline you want to follow. Well, not just that. Yeah, you can you sit and follow. You can sit in a room. You can see whole new things. Yeah, you can sit in a room and investigate every piece of ephemera and bric a brac throughout the five stories and of the hotel. And it belongs there. And what they usually do is they run the show, they run the sequence of the show on an hour or so loop. 
and then it plays itself out, which means you can follow the story from all sorts of angles till it all kind of comes together right. and then dissipates again and the march of time starts over. But like a modern dance, the events of the story change each time as we move towards the final destination. And in the final version of the show, there are people who work the buildings driving you closer and closer down to the room, the big ballroom that ends Sleep No More. Their new show is called The Burnt City. Uh, it was over in a new neighborhood, a new upscale neighborhood in London, took the uh, the Elizabeth line over to Woolwich, and it is called The Burnt City, and it's two armories, two giant armories that they have turned into two separate cities, and in between is a third building they have built between the two that serves as kind of a transitional place where mm. you put the mask on once again, and you can choose to go from one side to the other. Like a DMZ sort of place. A DMZ. Between, yeah. It's also... It's also a, a weird museum with actual artifacts from Greece and Troy. Oh, wait. Oh, wow. It's Greece. Right. It's Athens and Troy. And right. it's the Trojan War. And we watch it play out from both sides. And it, they're both set up like cities, hotels as cities, apartment complexes as cities, particularly Troy, right. which resembles Bioshock and Blade Runner and Twin Peaks, and has the neon lights, and the really well, ex what I call expensive smoke machines, where you don't realize there's a smoke machine, there's just haze everywhere. And you said that Greece was somewhat more Chthonian, was kind of ancient, oh, it, cave -like. It, it really is. It's eldritch. Yeah, yeah it's right. exactly how. Very I mean, it's like cool. you're walking into like, and they Very have these... Cool. They have what those, a great dichotomy I between mean, those I mean, crazy. Things, and the whole know? sacrifice of Iphigenia at Aulis is the whole downstairs there is a giant beach where they have those, you know, those beach busters, those things you put on the beach, like the Normandy invasion, those giant jacks. Wow. You know, but they're bigger than normal. It just it, it sounds it, amazing, man. And, you know, with the pound just dropping through the floor, fantastic. now's a great time to go to England, baby. Brexit. All right. Hey, I know you're screwed, but hey, I actually get a pint for a buck fifty. Let's roll. So I went and had lunch with some friends of mine over there. And the first thing one of my friends said was, we have a wonderful country here. Would you like to buy it? I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, by the way, speaking of escaping the British Empire, the Irish have been known um, that uh, God invented America so the Irish could get away from the British. Um, we have a story here about the Irish getting away from the British and making their way over to America. That's an odd way of introducing it. It really is, man. I mean, tying together <laughs> Halloween, the ancient Wiccan practices of Stonehenge, maybe, and um, maybe throwing on... Uh, and Northern California, so, so, which is a mistake, I think, in this movie. You know, because, a, a, because they didn't really film it in Northern California. Mm -hmm. It's literally just up in the, you know, the greater outland, below Sacramento yeah. kind of area. If it had been Northern you know? California, it might have actually worked. It might have been really interesting in that particular, um, in, in some kind of environment that didn't just feel like you could go from Los Angeles or Riverside or someplace and just like, ah, hey, I picked up this random chick whose dad died probably by his head being pulled off by um, who knows let's go visit halloween town hold on okay not a bad job selling the movie up by the way what movie are we talking about halloween 3 the season of the witch which is the only halloween uh sequel um that doesn't have michael myers in it the the titular uh silent killer with the uh with the um William Shatner. William mask. Shatner mask. That's what I was trying. Halloween, I, I wanted, Halloween, all, all I could come up Halloween, with was Kirk. <laughs> Kirk <laughs> mask. Kirk mask, uh, which Kirk actually works. is what it was. But um, yeah, so we don't have Michael Myers in this one. But in the original idea, I mean, John Carpenter wanted to do different Halloween stories for each Halloween sequence, and so this was he didn't direct this one. 
Um, that was uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, who also is the writer on that. But and but, the editor, but right, and he he was actually in the Fog. He had done art direction for um, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, so he's got a long, you know, history with working with Carpenter. And I think this was one of those things when Carpenter's like, "I'll produce it and I'll do the music and things like that," but I really don't want to do this particular script and blah blah blah. Or I've got something else going on that Wallace picked it up, and so no Mike Myers. And I think the idea, Michael Myers, I should say. Um, I, I think they really did want to keep transferring into other stories, but because of the popularity of this kind of Michael, Jason, Freddy, this 1980s push towards keeping the big body count killers out there that, uh, you know, it just got overwhelmed. I mean, right now we're, We've got Halloween ends. We've got Jamie Lee Curtis very tiredly coming back after her brother Michael won last time. Can it please end? I mean, I've been in a Halloween movie, and they, they've even gone through Rob Zombie, you know, where they're just like, come on, Rob, give us your version. And by the second one, people are like, yeah, no. Yeah, I was in that second one. And uh, even even making the movie, you were like, yeah. No, I don't really know what we're doing here. I like some of the ideas that have come out of Michael Myers, but even Jamie Lee Curtis is just, she's got to be tired of this thing, I man. thought the new she's one. She's glad to get paid by I it, thought but... the new one did a really great job of uh, of retconning everything and being like, that's all just basically turning every other movie except for the first one into an urban legend. Yeah, and, uh, but, but they keep doing things like that. I mean, even, I remember seeing, what was it, Halloween 4, where it's suddenly like, oh, it's a satanic cult, by the way. Michael Myers is uh, the inhabitant of a, a devil. They've got strange tattoos. <laughs> you know. Thanks for listening to a preview of this episode of Cargo Cult. Like what you heard? Hear more from Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn exclusively on the SiriusXM app. Subscribe today at SiriusXM.com.